Where are you? Are you in bed? Or are you leaving the first human footprint on Mars? Are you jogging? Or are you about to pull off the heist of the century? Are you in your car? Or are you praying those red eyes in the darkness can't see you? A voice in your ear can take you anywhere. Audible. Get your first audiobook for free and feel every word. Seven ninety nine a month after thirty day trial. Starts automatically. Terms apply. Every time he sees me, his eyes light up. I can almost hear his heart beat faster. He looks at me the same way he did when we first met. For him, it's love at first sight every day. For me, it's heartbreaking. Loving someone who's living with dementia is not easy. For support, advice, or to make a donation, visit dementiasa.org. You're listening to Vuga Online. You are rocking with the best. Hope Makers Show, bringing hope to the world, one conversation at a time. Anyway. All right. Um, just just to to also respect your time but I, there's also stuff that i kind of uh, want to make as natural as possible with the with this conversation so um you probably have heard one or two of the shows so i don't i don't really plan the show um well we have a kind of like because it's not true that there's no plan there's like two or three questions but most of the time it's we talking mm-hmm Cool. Ready? Yeah. So that means I have to like make conversation with you and stuff. Yeah, you know, like little <laughs> difficult things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome uh, to the Hope Maker Show. And uh, today I have. Should I be calling you uh, Professor Carlos? <laughs> just, just Carlos Paulette will work. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. I have Carlos Paulette here, who is of uh, he is Professor Carlos. I'm just uh, uh, the one that's not calling him by his uh, his rightful name uh, because I've been in his car. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, it was a rental. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. But look, two, two things I want to start this show with. Um, in, I saw as I was reading uh, reading up um, on your on your profile, eighty two flights a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked for American Airlines. I was the operations director for Latam, and uh, you know, needless to say, it was a stress free job because what could possibly go wrong with eighty two flights a day, right? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it was a, definitely a learning experience. And, and, you know, funny story, that's how I became aware of coaching. Really? I was, I was a victim of coaching. And I mean that in the most kind way. Yes. But at the time, really helped me with my peer relationships, managing sideways and upwards. So it was, uh, and that, that's sort of those, one of those things that piqued my interest. Hmm. Say say more about that. I mean, let, let's get let's get right on, right, right 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 to it, and then we'll go, we'll come back. We're just having a conversation. What happened? I've well, never had anybody talk about being a victim of coaching, but I kind of get a sense uh, of what you say. Where they're like, uh, you have to receive coaching. 
Well, yeah, no, I mean, it was basically, as you know, it was a high stress job, as I imagine. Yeah. And uh, to begin with, American Airlines is a company that sort of fit me like a glove. I was raised all over the place. I mean, the short story, I was born in Peru, uh, lived there till I was four, Dominican Republic till I was 12, Brazil till I was 18, did my undergrad in the United States. And then uh, after that, I moved to Haiti for almost a year, where I worked uh, for a non-government organization called GTZ. It's a German company. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was a very difficult situation. Things were very, uh, Haiti is one of those countries where things are always difficult. Yeah. And, um, you know, supplies were being stolen or, or absconded before they were reached us. Uh, so it was difficult. And uh, I had arrived there as a 22 year old young man full of hope and thinking, you know, I can change the world and I'm going to make this a better place. And, uh, Lack of potency and the lack to be able to do that was always shocking. Uh, after that, I took a sabbatical, which is kind of funny, but I ended up uh, becoming an Inca trail guide in Peru, mm-hmm. uh, taking people to Machu Picchu and the Inca trail and that kind of thing. And that was like sort of my hippie months of my life, if you may call them so. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, I decided to get back to Lima and I shaved my beard, cut my hair, you know, got clean myself up a little you know and decide to get a job and this was back in the day where you could get a job in the newspaper you know, yeah. I remember those glorious days yeah and there was this ad in English saying are you interested in a career with a major airline must speak English Spanish and Portuguese all three languages which I'm natively fluent in yeah. uh, background in business or economics I started econ which was just like, it basically leaded my photo next to the newspaper ad saying, hey, come present yourself. Yeah. So I, I went to the interviews, American Airlines, and I started working there. And um, I rose to the company really quickly. It was yeah. one of those things where like the culture fit, I fit, I knew a lot about flying as a client. So I had a very clear expectation of how clients wanted to be treated. Mm-hmm. Um, I started off managing uh, working flights, actually, like my first uh, first months, I went through flight attendant training. I worked a few flights uh, and then I was managing flight attendant crews in the base. But that lasted for a year before I was moved to Miami, where I became a coordinator and then moved up to director. And then all of a sudden I was managing the entire flight operation, which was uh, interesting. But I was also the youngest director in the company. So yeah. my peers were in their 40s and 50s going, what the hell is this kid now? Yes. And um, so that's where the coach became very helpful on how to talk to them, how to manage correctly, how to share the why yeah. I was asking for things and uh, be a little bit less abrasive with my peers and, and, uh, and come across in a more open way that would allow us to co-create solutions in other forms. So that, that, was, that was sort of how, how, that, how that booked into it. Ah, fascinating. You are on the, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, we'll, we'll come back. You are on Vogonline Radio, and uh, we are doing the Hope Makers show, uh, 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 kindly sponsored by Westwood International. And I have uh, Carlos Polet here on the, on, the, on, the, on the show, 20 years of experience helping successful people to achieve positive results without forgetting the importance of enjoying their lives. And this guy enjoys his life. <laughs> <laughs> is that your house there is that because is that what you told me about that uh, that uh, yeah this is my home office 
Or is that is that the, those backgrounds that we put on to look cool? <laughs> no, no, no. This is a real background. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is my. Uh, I have a big L-shaped desk because you can see the sort of reaches around. So I have my writing area here with my, of course, Tie Fighter lamp because yeah. I am a nerd and uh, major star wars fan and then i have a little bar and a bathroom and a terrace over here with a little living room sitting area yeah. uh, and it's sort of a nice little escape so this is the third floor of my house yeah. <laughs> sounds good but do we need to take a quick break and then when you come back we we'll talk a little bit about about uh, carlos and um, and hope and uh, what makes him tick and all of that we're having a conversation here and we're just trying to do one thing and one thing only bring hope to the world and we're hoping hoping um i can't actually say that word anymore without being triggered and saying it twice <laughs> there we go and there's nothing wrong with too much hope <laughs> We'll be back after this. Highway Harley Davidson. There are no words. Broadcasting worldwide, online, 24-7. It's Booga Online, your inspiration radio station. Welcome back uh, to the Hope Makers Show and you with Mongazi. And uh, just check us out at the Hope Makers Collective if you want to follow us uh, everywhere and uh, follow the conversation. And, but if you find this conversation very useful and hope-making, uh, hopefulizing, uh, Make up words, uh, make sure that you share it. We want to, we, we have a, an aspiration to get about a million people uh, uh, being inspired uh, by this. And so far, I'm already getting comments from people that are going, like, Yeah, it's actually quite interesting to hear some of the stories that you guys are telling. Um, because uh, first, you're dealing with humans, but the people who have achieved in their lives. But most importantly, it's real human beings who have gone through stuff. So let's take two steps back, Carlos, um, in, in terms of our, our introduction. I think you shared a little bit about um, your background and how, how you came to be, to be there, which is always for, for me um, uh, fascinating to hear. Uh, but listening uh, to the listeners of the Hope Maker Show, what do you want them to know about you? All right. Uh, actually, today... I came with the idea of sharing a story I actually haven't shared that much publicly uh, about my life. And it's interesting, Dr. Mangezi, because you mentioned a few minutes ago that I enjoy life. Yes. And I do. Yes. But like many human beings in the world, I've also been through some very turbulent times and some very difficult times. Yes. And uh, managed to survive them and uh, build on something really based on hope. And uh, if it's okay, I would love to share a, a story. Yeah. This, is, this is our story. It's, uh, it's difficult for me to share it, but it's important. Yeah, and um, throughout life, and you know, th this always reminds me of a comment my brother made many years ago where he said, you live a charmed life because everything seemed to work out. Have a spectacular wife. I was blessed with two beautiful daughters, uh, Catalina Mercedes and Valentina Leia. Mm -hmm. 
back in 2000, beginning of 2015, uh, my oldest daughter, Catalina, was a normal six-year-old girl, uh, full of joy, uh, very kind, would share everything with the world. And I remember this one moment when I was with her in ballet, and I was just, they just jumped on me one Sunday morning on the bed, and I was holding them both in my arms, and I was thinking, what could get better than this? You know, yeah. what's, where, where could we go from here? Yeah. Well, it was a few months later, it was January, which is our summer, and we were heading towards a beach house. And uh, my daughter, Kata, uh, started feeling uh, a little nauseous in the car, a little, she was saying she was unbalanced. Mm-hmm. That we didn't think much of it because it was normal for kids to get sick once in a while. Mm-hmm. And when we got to the house, she started vomiting quite a bit. Wow. So mm-hmm. uh, she didn't stop. It was like seven or eight times. So we took her to the nearest clinic uh, there. And they treated her for the stomach infection. They really couldn't find anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, we then went, uh, we then took her to Lima, to the city. We left the beach area. And they performed a CAT scan. And I remember at that point, you know, I was feeling like this is all just normal. You know, just nothing's going on. Mm-hmm. But I recall that the CAT scan technician having a look on her face as she was seeing the initial results. Mm-hmm. which I did not like. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, uh, the doctor came and he informed us that they had detected what looked like to be a tumor, wow. uh, almost three centimeters of length in her cerebellum and the bottom portion of her, of her brain. Wow. Um, I recall uh, leaving the hospital and racing home because I had to get some things because she was obviously going to be spending a few nights there. And I was, as I was driving, the impact of what the doctor had just told me, because up to then, you know, I had maintained my emotions and check everything normal. Once I was in the car by myself driving home, mm-hmm. I started breaking down. Yes. And before I knew it, I was sobbing. And I was sobbing just at the thought of the things she's going to have to go through to get rid of that tumor. Anything worse than that had not even occurred to me at that point, but just that was dreadful enough. And I remember at one point I said, all right, I need to stop this and I need to pull myself together. Or I'm going to wreck the car and I'm not going to help anyone like this. Mm-hmm. So I managed to do so. I got home and I did, I think, what any parent would want to do. I just opened Google and started researching what's the number one place in the world to deal with this. And in my research, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, colloquially called CHOP, came up and the doctor storm came up as the number one uh, pediatric neurosurgeon in the world Hmm. operating at that hospital so i picked up my phone and i called the hospital i asked to speak with dr stone a storm and um, amazingly enough i managed to pull through to him immediately and he asked me like this was on a sunday and he asked me how quickly could you get here and i said i could get her there by wednesday and uh, from that point, it was a race to get tickets as fast as possible, to fly to Philadelphia from here in Peru as fast as possible. We made it within 24 hours. We were arriving to Philadelphia, uh, checking her end to CHOP. Uh, that day, she had surgery. And at that point, again, we were full of hope. Like, this is going to be, he's, she's got the best surgeon in the world. She's in the best place. We had already noticed a difference in the way she was treated by that staff versus the local staff. Mm-hmm. And um, when the doctor came out, he told us, 
you know, without a biopsy or anything else, just, I mean, you had the experience, I guess. Hmm. I am terribly sorry, but I'm, you know, we got 95% of the tumor out. But I'm pretty sure that what we're looking for is a glioblastoma multiform. And it appears to be a stage four uh, cancerous tumor. Now, at the time, I had no idea what a GBM was. Yes, yes. So my first words were, well, is that bad? And he said, I calculated about six months. Yeah. And that's the first time that that possibility even crossed my mind that my daughter could, could possibly uh, pass away. Yeah. And uh, we started making plans. Well, obviously, we're going to have to stay here and, and seek the best treatment. So we found a place to live, uh, purchased a car, started, you know, had, had our house closed down in Lima. Uh, and we started just, uh, all right, we're going to have to find a school for my younger daughter. Well, she didn't come with us on the first trip. My parents brought her up two weeks later mm-hmm. uh, as we were there. Um, and then, um, you know, after that, we did everything. This was probably the most difficult period. Well, not probably, it was the most difficult period of my life. Yes, 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 yes. And went through proton, uh, you know, proton therapy. Uh, She had a second surgery. There were times where it seemed where she would get better. Uh, I started doing most of my work virtually. Uh, Back then, it wasn't uh, yet as common as it is today. Yes. And I remember at this one point where she seemed to be going and getting better. It was proton uh, uh, treatment. And I had to do an event in Colombia. And I flew to Bogota. And when I arrived at the airport, my wife called me and told me it has resurfaced and it has resurfaced a lot more. It has tentacles. It's it's all over. And the doctors say she could go any minute. Yeah. And I remember the exasperation as I was cutting through security lines in Bogota, you know, getting on the next flight back and just telling people, I'm sorry, I'm going to skip in front of you. My daughter could die any minute. I mean, and it's like I was in the, in the context and then just um, flying back and she stayed with us for a few more months. Uh, we decided not to go back to Peru. Yeah. We entered hospice in Philadelphia. Uh, where you'd have nurses come every day to the house. And, uh, you know, one of the things we noticed while we were in Philadelphia is there were a lot of services for people going uh, through what we were going. Yes. In yes. other words, there was like houses for those people who didn't have a place to stay, like the Ronald McDonald House uh, Association. There were people that offered to drive you to the hospital if you couldn't. There were people that brought pillowcases of different colors and, and, you know, shared them in the hospital. There were visiting dogs. There were art therapists that would come three times a week and they'd work with both our daughters and doing artwork. And we have these beautiful art murals that have all of our, you know, both of our daughters handprints on them and everything that we have Mm -hmm. uh, kept and we treasure those. But, um, you know, we just decided to go through that whole hospice process there because coming back to Lima would have been overwhelming. Yes. We would have had too many well-wishers and family and friends and others that are just curious coming visiting. And, uh, and it would have been too much of an emotional wreck. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came home. And uh, it's hard to describe. I mean, this is losing a child is the biggest WTF moment a parent can ever face. Mm. And I know I'm not the only only parent who's ever gone through this. Yeah. 
but it is. And uh, for a while, I suffered post-traumatic syndrome. I mean, uh, I spent the next six months, I was working what I could, but I was numb. Mm-hmm. And there, there was too many things, even like stopping at a Starbucks, it reminded me of a time I went to Starbucks with her. Uh, you know, the, that kind of things. Fortunately, we did have in that anchor, uh, my other daughter, uh, Valentina Leia, who's, who's brilliant. She's great. But, but that was something to hold on to. Mm. Actually, I remember the day my daughter passed away, June 3rd, 2015. Mm. Uh, she passed at two in the morning. And that following morning, you know, she wasn't there anymore. But Valentina woke up and I remember telling her, uh, your sister's no longer with us because her body stopped working. Yes. And she's gone to a better place. And uh, you're probably going to see your mother and father cry. Mm. And it's okay if you cry too. Yeah. And I remember that day I took her to like the Ben Franklin Museum or something like that in Philadelphia. Well, you know, funeral home for preparations. And I remember going and going on a, on a Ferris wheel with her and doing all kinds of fun things where she was, you know, got her mind off things. But it was very difficult for me, but I always would do my best to put my best face forward in that circumstance. Hmm. Well, around the fourth month of going back home, my wife and I got to talking and we decided, you know, there's something we've got to do, you know, Hmm. Hmm. something to get back. So we started small. Uh, During uh, my daughter's sickness, there had been this Facebook page set up, uh, Love for Catalina. And uh, it had gotten, you know, quite a few thousand followers. So we asked our our friend that had set up that page if she wouldn't mind if we took it over. So we changed it to Catalina Art. And my wife had this vision. And this is my wife's vision. I just supported her through it. To set up an organization that would start off by offering art therapy to kids with cancer. And and we started by first, uh, you know, putting some money down and starting our own design of a series of pillowcases uh, eventually picnic blankets and beach bags and things like that, that we'd sell at fairs or through their website or through other forms to raise funds mm-hmm. for art supplies. Mm-hmm. And their first activities came to remodeling lounges at hospitals, uh, to providing uh, children with uh, play things and with uh, um, basically uh, like a lounge room for, for children at the different places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we started growing we, uh, to the point where we started developing volunteer centers where uh, um, we had seven teams of volunteers visiting different centers and doing art therapy with children. And we picked from elementary school teachers because, you know, there aren't that many licensed art therapists in Peru, mm-hmm. but who had experience working with children and who were willing to donate their time. And uh, by the second year, we built our first Ronald McDonald type home where families could come and and spend uh, time together. Mm. And then we uh, continued to the point where we now have five such homes in Lima. Uh, We have worked with over 5,000 children uh, to this date. And uh, my wife was uh, awarded the Premio Grau uh, three years ago, which is the equivalent of the American Medal of Freedom. Yes. Uh, you know, so it was, it was a government award. Yes. And, you know, we found, and for parents that have gone through this kind of thing, 
there is an initial sense of hopelessness. How can how can I possibly go on? Yeah, so, and I wanna I wanna I wanna pause sure. you for a moment because I I want us to tap into that because I think you're going to where I was going to to go to go next. But we need to take uh, we need to take some music, um, and then when we come back, we we go deeper into that very touching story because I think there's there's so many elements in it, uh, and this annoying thing about the paradox of life uh, because what's what's annoying about all of these things that i'm picking up and i'm using annoying in the friendliest most positive <laughs> uh, uh, key uh, of sound you can get um is life is just so full of paradoxes and if we're not paying attention to to the fact that we are actually moving up and down this polarity um, that's probably already where we lose it and, and we lose hope. But I want to go a little bit into that because I'm hearing that in the story that you just shared. You are on Vugo Land Radio and uh, we are doing the Hope Maker Show. And I am uh, with Carlos. He's just been sharing um, his own story about hopelessness and hope uh, all at the same time. Because, it's, it's again, it's uh, two sides of the exact same coin. If you really look, you you, you find something. But it's kind of hard. But before we do that, uh, here is uh, India Ari and uh, magic. That's what, that magic, that's what I'm talking about. We'll be back. Don't take credit. Unexpected coming from a bank. But just think about it. Using credit to finance a flashy lifestyle to show that you've arrived won't help you live better. What's new today is old tomorrow, except for the debt that you still have to pay. But do take credit to renovate your home, buy a more reliable car, or pay for your children's education. If that's your goal, then Capitec will help you realize your dreams. Because living better starts when you get credit for the right reasons. More music, more inspiration. Vua Online. Welcome back uh, to Vuga Online Radio and uh, leader, uh, not Leadership Mondays. <laughs> I always get so mad, so messed up because I have three shows on this show on this on this on this uh, station, and 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 technically they are all doing the same thing except. They're doing it from different perspectives. So, Carlos, first of all, thank you for sharing that story. Thank you for, for, for that gift. Um, because many times, and, and I'm speaking pretty much, first of all, also for myself, I've, I've been having very interesting fears around cancer. I mean, cancer is one of those things that as soon as you hear that word, we go into a whole cycle and, and literally we die. Uh, inside uh, as a result and we can't see anything but you you went through this process and uh, at some point I promise I was waiting to hear that uh, there was a miraculous uh, recovery and there was something there to say and there was however it doesn't look like how we thought it looked like so I'm, I'm curious 
before, because you were going to talk about the, 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 the different centers and how they are essentially then helping people uh, get to hope, and we'll get to that. But I'm, 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 I want to just check. You, you felt, it felt like you've been, you were very, you continuously were calm, you continuously got to manage yourself into that situation. Where did you go that made you take the next step and the next step every day? It, it was the practical side. It's like someone's got to do this. And if I lose my cool, if I scream to the world or to the skies, why me? Yes. It doesn't help. And, you know, one thing where a lot of people that go through this kind of things, you find out your daughter has cancer. Yes. There's, there's a certain sense of guilt. Yes. What did I do wrong? Is there something I ate? Is there there's something I fed her? Is there something that we you know we should have treated more? Yeah. And, um, and it's interesting because there's these little signs, I guess, that come up in life. I remember a few months before this happened, I was reading an article, I forget in what magazine, but it was about a study and the Harvard Medical School was doing, mm. where their big conclusion on cancer was that in many cases, it's just bad luck. Really, really bad luck. Mm. And that explains why you see the 75-year-old person that's been smoking their entire lives mm. and uh, their lungs are pink. You know, there's nothing wrong with them or, and the person that that's never had, had a single cigarette and all of a sudden gets lung scan cancer. Uh, So there's a lot of factors. The the case of uh, Catalina, GBM stage four, uh, as her attending physician, Dr. Belasco said, she said, it's a 1 billion to one chance that you get this. Yes. And, uh, And with bad luck, as in the case of uh, Catalina, it's as if you have trillions of cells going through a brain. And let's say there were only two defective ones. And most people may have these. But the chance of those two bad cells meeting could take 500 years, could take 1,000 years. Or it could take six years, as it did in this case. Yeah. And that that actually connects pretty much unlike that. Because... Uh, that connects to what I was saying, what I was thinking um, as I was listening to your story, because there's some, there's something there. Uh, it actually gives gives us a lot of hope just listening to that, uh, because many times when you get cancer, um, for some reason, and I think you shared a little bit of this, it feels like the world is against you. It feels like um, something. Uh, and sometimes parents feel like they should have done something different. They feel like they, it's, some, it's their fault. And, 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 and even if it's not parents, just everybody in their family just thinks this. But I like the phrase that I liked uh, that you used, which I, I, I'm, I'm finding very useful, is her body stopped working properly or something. I think you yeah. said something. You're, like you're, you're, yeah, your sister is no longer with us because her body stopped working. Yeah, and and, and 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 I think for me it's 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 such a it's such a powerful transcendent thought, right? That um, we are we are bodies because we are here actually, uh, but they are machinery. <laughs> sometimes they really stop working, and sometimes you have really bad luck, uh, 
as in the case of cancer, as in the case of uh, meningitis. Because I think for a lot of illnesses, uh, many of them can be cured. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just have bad luck. You catch something. Yeah. And, and actually throughout the whole treatment, when, you, when you're a parent, and I'm a positivist. Anyone that knows me knows yeah. that I usually focus on the positives. I mean, we would hear things like when they first started treatment and then the biopsies came in and everything. We'd yeah. have the doctor come in and say things like, all right, well, we can try this treatment and this treatment. Uh, there is a 5% chance mm. of a five-year and, yeah. and when they say that, what that means is that there's a 5% chance she lives five years, not longer than that. Yes. But as a parent, the only thing you hear is, well, there's a chance. Yes. And, yes. and you hold on to that. And you're yes. like, well, let's do it. Yes. And ever since the beginning, I mean, the one thing we made clear was we want to do everything possible yes. within the limits of science or even magic, if, that's, if there is such a thing. Yes. But we want to maintain quality of life. Yes. In yes. other words, uh, you know, uh, as benign as possible, you know, we want the treatment to be as. Uh, uh, so we did everything until they finally, you know, we got to that point, and that's the the first time we accepted it was like it spread. We could go in and uh, do surgery again, but it, we don't really think it will help. Yes. Uh, we don't think there's anything we can do. We recommend hospice, yeah. and at that point. You know, and for anyone that's going through this or has gone through this, you know that other people start calling you. And uh, I had this one person I remember call me during this process and say, uh, you know, I can treat her with magnets mm-hmm. and we can um, we can get rid of this. And I was like, well, really? I mean, like magnets. And mm-hmm. yeah. And then started asking me, it's like, oh, but they've already done surgery. I'm sorry. Then I can't help you anymore. I was like. Why would you even call? I mean, uh, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, So then we go home. We go through the the symbolic funeral, and uh, we um, and that was difficult because there we were, you know, in the Catholic Church, more than five hundred people. Um, as much as we could keep it as closed to just relatives and friends of the family. Mm-hmm. And I have a big family. So it was, uh, so it was a large event. And then, of course, everyone's coming up to you and saying, you know, life goes on, stay strong. And it's like, okay, you know, uh, just say I'm sorry and move on. Yeah. Uh, there's not really, you know, there, this is not the time for motivational speech. Yeah. Uh, when, when someone's going through that and more than likely you know parents don't really want to talk about it unless it's with very few you know uh, like there are a couple of friends that I needed to confide in and to talk about my feelings with yeah. and, and this is now this is a problem and and uh, there's a lot of support for parents who have lost children and it didn't always work for me and that's part my fault because of the training I've had uh i'm a facilitator i facilitate groups and i remember i for a few weeks i went to this wonderful organization that helps parents that have lost children and they would meet in like a room uh you know twice a month and parents would share their stories and they had a facilitator and i remember sitting there and the first things that would come in my mind were like i wish i could take over because this is how i would run this session 
Yes, yes. You are on for the online radio. We are going to come back. We are, we are having the stories of hope and I have a hope of food coming in right now. So I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be back right this minute with, uh, with Carlos as we talk about stories of hope and he's just been sharing a critical story. I want to go back into the, the piece around the, how you turn that hope into hopefulness for everyone else. <laughs> you are on the full online radio and the Hope Maker Show. We are laughing at the, the domestic, the domestic interesting uh, challenges. It's been fascinating just working from home, man, um, uh, because you, you get to have a new life. Uh, um, it's, it's actually a new, new way of doing business. I don't want to, I don't want to be going anywhere if I can help it. So, so Carlos and I have just been laughing at uh, a very interesting drama, which I will spare you from uh, in this instance. And we can go back to the stories of hope. You're on the Hope Makers show. And uh, we are talking about hope, individual hope, uh, collective hope. Uh, and, and I think what keeps striking me, I think the big thing already, big takeaway, Carlos, if we stopped um, this conversation, what I'm already taking, other than how paradoxical this whole thing is, is the fact that um, that, that, that whole idea around sometimes uh, accidents happen and one can beat oneself up um, even if it's your child because it's even harder if it's your child because you, you're going like, what can I do? What, what should I be doing as a parent? And maybe sometimes it has absolutely nothing to do with you. And I think when I say this, parents don't like it at all because they go like, what do you mean? Uh, actually, these children are not ours. They, they, do, they, do, they do not come to us. They come through us, but they actually have their own trajectory of life, which will have its own problems and its own successes, and we can't own neither. Mm-hmm which is kind of annoying. <laughs> and, and we're not always going to be there to, to, to guide that journey. Yeah. Even if you are, Carlos, even if you are, what, what's, who, says, who says it works? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I've always believed that people do things for their own reasons. Yes. They never do them for mine. And, and that's one of those little interesting points when people say, you know, uh, like I'll get a coachee and be like, I want to be able to motivate my employees. Yes. And I'm like, well, good luck with that. Uh, you know, yes. Motivation is sort of intrinsic. What you may do is maybe discover what motivates them and then use that information to channel them in the direction you want them to go. Yes. But uh, you're not going to motivate them. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 Let, 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 let's talk about, about um, I want to expand a little bit on how you then responded after all of the, um, the, 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 the challenges and the tragedy that, t- that took place. It, you you actually turned it into something that was useful for more than uh, just yourself. Yeah. But what I'm curious about is because when you tell a story, it feels like it's something that actually happened and it was it was easy. What did it take to get to a space where now uh, you guys are sitting? with 5,000 ch- children having have been helped, et cetera? Um, well, like I said, it was after it happened, I was numb for a bit. 
Yes. Wondering, you know, am I ever going to get back to? And I was being active. I would go through the motions of the things I had to do as a parent, getting my my other daughter back in school, getting her adapted back to life here. Um, And work started coming in and I was going through work, but I was that year is a year where I felt like I did my work going through the motions on autopilot, not the same as I do it nowadays. Yes. And uh, it took me a while to recover. And that's just normal. It's like I mentioned, I had PTSD, you know, that that was, uh, I definitely had that feeling. I felt like a war veteran, if if I can imagine what that would feel like. And uh, I also had no fear. (laughs) That's one of those things where, you know, you walk around going, you know, well, probably one of the worst things that could ever happen in my life already happened. And, and that is something that, that you carry with you. You have a lot less fear in your life now uh, after wow. something like this. Wow. It also makes you willing to experiment more and do more and just uh, be open to, to more possibilities within the world. And, you know, one other thing I do tell, because once in a while I'll get on the phone or I'll meet with parents that have gone through the same or similar situations more recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing I can tell them is that you, you eventually you start experiencing moments of joy again. Yes. Little by little, but they start coming in and you're able to laugh again pretty soon. Yes. Yes. And you're able to even go full days without thinking about what happened to you. Yeah. And it'll still hit me. Even now, uh, seven years past, um, I will have moments where even like, you know how Facebook once in a while will, will pop up with a photo of 14 years ago, you were you know <laughs> doing this. And it'll hit you and be like, oh, God, you know, and uh, and yeah. it hits you hard. Yeah. But um, you start experiencing those. And then uh, my wife came up with this idea. I said, we should do something like what we saw all those helpful people doing in Philadelphia. Yes. And maybe reach out because there's very little of that going on here. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I think that's a great idea. I mean, we have all this extra love hmm. that we never got to give. Yes. Our one child, you know. Yeah. And we are very wary of overgiving that to our other child because yeah. that's yeah. your next tendency is uh, which can become happen, the over, right? you know, yeah. become the overprotective parent or the overindulging parent in either yeah. way. So I'm like, I encourage my my daughter Leia to take risks to yeah. uh, to do things that you know if she wants to climb a tree. I let her climb a tree when many parents in the same situation be like, oh no, she's going to climb the tree, fall off, and you know, <laughs> you just go, you know, you have to let her do it because otherwise you're not being fair. To her normal development as a kid, yeah, yeah. but um, we started getting into it, and I would. My role was always, I'll support you. I'll help uh, design the the group page. I'll get get a web page built. I'll uh, secure financing, and I did some corporate dealings. We have some corporate sponsorship hmm. uh, nowadays, hmm. but uh, each person focuses on where they're stronger at. Yes. My wife was willing to go into these centers to work with these children on a day-to-day basis to train with uh, art therapists, uh, volunteers and manage that. I still can't like uh, for me, of course I've been, but it is very difficult for me to go to one of these centers and see these other children with cancer. It's, it brings back too many flashbacks, too many many memories. So it's not like anyone can just do this. It, it takes a, and that's one of those areas where I admire and respect my wife too. Yeah. Um, but it really comes from the satisfaction of 
you understand what the parents are going through this are going through. Yes. And you understand the peace of mind that even though their kid is in the worst imaginable situation, yes. that someone comes and takes their mind off it. And for a few you know, minutes, if anything, the kid finds joy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they do something creative. And in the case of even the terminal cases, at least the parents are left with something from that child, their artwork, their expression. Um, And and in the art therapy, there's a lot of working on art to express what they're feeling, because sometimes these kids are too young to really put to words what they're going through. Which can be quite frustrating for them. Yeah, it is. And, And to know that you bring that satisfaction to others, it feels good. it's uh it's a little bit of of, uh, respite in such a tough situation i like the idea of 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 the the the, the external recognition by government uh, for example um because even there it it starts taking what because when we talk in the hope makers uh with craig and everyone we keep talking about this whole idea of personal hope, we keep talking about practical hope, but then we talk about this collective hope. And, 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 and what, what's, what's powerful about this story is how personal hopelessness turned into um, collective hopefulness um, mm-hmm. in, in, in this instance. So how's the center going now? How's the center uh, well, over the last uh, two years, uh, we continue building lounges. We continue donating art supplies. Uh, but our interactions with the children have been diminished because obviously when kids have cancer, they have a lower immune system than normal. So with COVID, uh, having groups of volunteers visit them every week, uh, we could not do that. Yeah. So we continue growing. We continue, but the the volunteer sessions are on hold. Yeah. And so um, now that it seems like children of a specific age will be able to get vaccination uh, soon everywhere, yeah. um, we're hoping to resume the visits. Yeah. Yeah. Right now we're building a new project, for example, yeah. working on our sixth uh, center. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that, that's, that's where we've kept our focus over these last two years. Nice. Let's take it. Let's take it to. Let's keep it now the collective, collective hope level. I mean, um, with all the stuff going on, and and, and we, we, in terms of where you are, where you are doing the best you can do with what you do. But you, you spoke about the COVID experience now, which is fascinating. I sometimes I actually find I had an interview this morning um, with someone, and I accidentally found myself deleting the last three years. Uh, <laughs> because like, oh, oh, just not like the, 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 it's two years since we had. Like, oh my God! Actually, we went through the whole three years of COVID um, with the radio station because that's actually how old how old we are. We are actually three years old, thanks COVID. Uh, but congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we didn't experience the the last. We didn't experience properly the two years because we were so. Um, stuck in this thing but with everything going on the war now in ukraine there's lots of stuff happening on my continent there's lots of stuff happening on your continent right um particularly uh, there's i mean your your continent is quite fascinating i I don't 
I don't actually get a chance to talk to talk about it with anyone. So this is actually a good a good a good moment to talk about it. In a big scheme of things, how is South America compared to the drama that's going on in the rest of the world? Uh, well, in terms of hopelessness versus hopefulness, where would you where would you place it? There's a lot of uh, difficulty in Latin America as a whole. It's we're talking about countries. Many of them are young democracies or have been uh, yes run by dictators, then back to democracies, then run by dictators. Uh, uh, lots of uh, rampant corruption. Uh, you know, I'm sure no one in your continent is familiar with that concept. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and it's there's a lot of social inequality. Yes. I mean, the thing about our centers is is, is precisely for that because we know that people outside of the city of Lima cannot get a hope for good treatment. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, to give them a place at least where that's one less worry, where they can at least come and have a place to stay. We only can have one parent and one child, you know, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. for room. We can't have. It's not like we can host a whole family every time. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, to to actually take that piece off them, and then we have people that facilitate their access mm-hmm. to the public oncological clinic hospitals. Mm-hmm. And, and help them organize that so that they can get the treatment as fast as possible. Because in, in countries that are in social upheaval, it's very difficult. And it has been even so during these last two years yeah. to, you know, uh, everything was so focused on COVID. People almost forgot that there were other things going on that needed even more important uh, medical attention. All the emergency beds are taken, all this, you know, it was like uh, that, that was a mess. And uh, Peru, I mean, uh, you know, we have a recent president and I'm not going to get into the politics of everything, but, you know, he was voted by maybe 20, 30 percent of the population in the end. And it was an election where you're voting for the lesser of two evils anyway. Yeah. And uh, that's the way the system was real. It's uh He's not, you know, he came in with a very socialist, com- almost communist agenda, but not getting anything through, through yeah. Yeah. because our corrupt right is so strong that that's not going to happen anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just in general, it's like opposing forces. Yeah. But, um, but it's, you know, the reason that someone like that would get elected is totally fair. I mean, we've gone through, uh, let's say, 200 years of independence, but it was like independence from what? It was rich landowners uh, becoming independent from Spain so they could continue being rich landowners and not pay taxes to Spain anymore. Yeah. It wasn't a real social revolution. Yeah, uh, the bully, the bully so is the victim, it. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. the common person in Peru, which is of Andean descent, I mean, that's 70% of our population has some Andean yeah. descent yeah. in them or more. And, um, it's not a fair life. Yeah. So, so there, there's, that's an issue. And it's, I mean, in, in comparison, um, I mean, you talk about, um, and I don't know, who was I talking to? Uh, because we tend to think very narrow about these things. And we think, uh, and I think for me, that's probably a space for hopefulness as well, where we need to be taking a much more helicopter view of what's happening um, 
across the world. So, oh yeah, we, there was at a conference that I was in in Zambia um, where we kept talking, because we were talking about Africa now, um, you know, tongue in cheek. <laughs> we were talking about how do we create a different continent? How do we uh, create a different consciousness uh, with leaders in the room? And then there's, there tends to be this thing of either over fantasizing uh, about what can be done and can be achieved or uh, awfulizing about how bad everything is. Um, but if you find a space of realism, or, uh, again, going back to that polarity, uh, realizing that actually the space of the polarity is somewhere in the in the in the in the centrifugal space rather than on the on the periphery you realize that exactly what you just described now with peru and and the elections has happened with france um macron has no uh, majority uh, now in in government but uh, who voted uh, for um the president of the, the current president of the united states exactly uh, and who, if Boris Johnson is having so many problems having to convince his cabinet about what needs to be happened, who voted for him? Um, so it's actually quite fascinating where I'm saying perhaps the world, and, and that was my reflection um, at this conference, that perhaps uh, the, the population, the 72% that you're talking about, they are seeing through the scam. And they're realizing actually elect, electoral, the electoral processes are no longer a space for, of hope for many people. Mm-hmm. So that's my rant. I don't know what, 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 are, your, what's, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it isn't. I mean, and for example, in Peru, uh, elections are mandatory. Yes. You get fined if you don't go vote. Wow. I mean, okay. So that's, that's just <laughs> stupid because... It means people are going to elections who could care less. They, yeah. they, some of them might, might not even know who the candidates are. They're just like, oh, that yeah. one's handsome. Yeah. Uh, go for that one. You know, uh, I mean, seriously. I get and, you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's uh, to begin with, you have that, you know, and, and second, there is that sense of, well, in the end, none of these guys are really going to do anything for us. Yes. They never have. Yes. And, and the system just keeps working. Now, one of the things that has saved Peru from total collapse, and this is one of those, a lot of people say, say Peru seems to have an iron sense in the fact that the economy has constantly been growing over the last 30 years. Yes. Uh, things keep going well. There's a little more social equality, not social equality, economic equality. There's a big difference between the two. Yes. There's a little more economic equality, but that has been because our t- government was so terrible, people started doing things for themselves. And our micro businesses have flourished throughout the country. Just a small entrepreneur running some quite often outside the law, outside taxation. Mm-hmm. But you have shanty towns, for example, where they brought their own electricity and water services. Mm. and hit themselves because you know what if we wait for the government to do this yeah we might still have to be climbing 2,000 steps with pails of water you know in buckets in order to to take a bath uh so so those are the things that have kept us going and it makes you wonder you know what what is 
the best form of government, but uh, yeah. for a situation like that, or should we all be anarchists? Hey, man. Um, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on a campaign. I'm on a campaign, and sometimes I want, I worry that I'm, I'm, I'm getting, my, I might get myself in trouble because hey, people die these days uh, from, from, because that's also how the world is driving um, this fear. Uh, but uh, if you're going to do go to the other side of the uh, polarity, you cannot. There's something there about the courage and clarity uh, that you need. But I think my clarity is exactly what you just said. Now I said, why do people need government to? when they can actually make up their minds. Um, and I feel like the world is moving in a space where governments are irrelevant. But that's Monges' thought, right? Not Carlos's thought. We are going into the last few, uh, the last few minutes of... Uh, um, sure, this time went very fast. <laughs> <laughs> we are going into the last few minutes of the Hope Maker Show. But uh, I want to come back with Carlos. I want to uh, talk about very quickly about two or, th- two or three things that I can draw out of him uh, with the little time that we have. Uh, but for now, let's take a quick break. Uh, 30 seconds. So you don't go anywhere. We'll be back. The Africa Center for Work-Based Learning is a professional development center for professionals who aim to improve their professional standing. This means that the learning programs we run are more than just academic programs. They are work-based programs that focus on leveraging your current experience as a professional to build your overall profile. A year down the line, the Africa Center for Work-Based Learning is developing into a preferred center for professional development in Pretoria, with eight professional development faculties including accounting, teaching, entrepreneurship, as well as IT and many more. For more information, go to acwbl.org or dial plus 27127517608, the Africa Center for Work-Based Learning, where work is learning. Stay woke with Voga Online Radio. Welcome back uh, to Voga Online Radio. Uh, coming after this show uh, is... Um, is uh, what, what's coming up? Vuga affairs. So all the affair, all, all the this in, in international affairs that I'm talking about. Uh, I'm not sure what topic is being discussed, but uh, uh, check it out. Uh, just after 22 minutes of the hour, um, but obviously we continue to have more, more music, more inspiration. We're not just about news. We're not just about hope, but we are mostly about inspiration, and we are mostly about. Um, positivity uh, with a dash of realism. We, 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 don't, we don't believe, Carlos, that the world, I don't believe the world is falling apart. I believe the world, the world doesn't need us uh, as human beings to balance itself. Um, do, do you believe there's hope with all the stuff that I've been talking about? Is there hope for us as humanity, as people, as countries, as individuals? I wonder if we can go back to that feeling. Uh, I, I'm thinking about my second or third month of lockdown during COVID. Yes. I'm not sure if you experienced this, but we in Peru had very closed lockdown. You weren't allowed to drive your car unless it was an emergency or, you know, special services. Yeah. Or times. yeah. Uh, masks everywhere. And during the first three or four months, 
you walk outside like I'd walk outside to take my dog for a walk because that was still allowed. Yes. And I felt like I should walk, be walking sometimes with a katana on my back because any moment the walking dead would come around the corner, <laughs> zombies or something. But um, one of the things I noticed within the third month was the world was a lot greener. Yes. There were more birds singing. There were more squirrels running around the neighborhood. Yeah. It was uh, that we had dolphins on the ocean near our, my house, which yeah. usually you would have to travel hundred and some kilometers to see dolphins in the water yes. because the lack of humans was making the world cleaner. Yeah. And there were the, not the, the carbon monoxide from the cars was gone. And you yeah. know, so it was just, it felt really nice. So it goes back yeah. to that point of, well, what would the world be like without humans? It'd probably be a lot nicer. Yeah. That, that's not not that I'm advocating getting rid of us because I like yeah. being us. But um, yeah, but no. it's not like it's not like it's not like. And okay, I keep saying this: the world doesn't need us. Uh, we keep we keep ha- ha- acting as if. Uh, and I think probably maybe that's the answer. Probably if we actually just get over the idea that we are controlling the world, um, <laughs> that we should be fine. I think it would recover pretty quickly if we left. Yeah. That, that, that's the, you know, the overall assessment I get. Yeah. But, you know, I want to talk, you mentioned a few seconds ago about inspiration. Yes. And it's interesting. One of the driving forces really behind what made Catalina art work was inspiration. And uh, my daughter and her story was inspiring to others. Yes. People that uh, volunteered to go work. And one of the first people to be part of our volunteer team was her own kindergarten teacher Hmm. who actually traveled to Philadelphia to visit her when she was sick Hmm. because she cared so much and because Kata had touched her so much. Hmm. And she inspired others to come work with her and do this volunteer work. Hmm. Uh, People from from all kinds of backgrounds have joined the volunteer group. And that's all because they, they're inspired and they were inspired by the thought of bringing hope to these children. Yeah, yeah. What the world needs now is dot, 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 complete the sentence. To be able to laugh more often. Yeah, yeah. More smiles. Yes. More happy thoughts, more warm and fuzzy. We definitely have become a little more cynical. Even certain aspects of our own conversation have been cynical at times when we talk about, you know, lack of humanity in the world, how it would be a benefit. Because there's some truth to that. But if we just realized, you know, that uh, people from all over are more similar than they think. Yes. And and I'll give you a very close example. When when you're in... uh, hospital waiting for your daughter to end surgery yeah and you're walking around the waiting room and you see parents from all over the world yeah whose kids are also the same they can be from Saudi Arabia from from South Africa from from Belgium and they all come to the hospital like this seeking this same type of treatments yes. we're all identical at that point yeah. and uh we're all going through the same same suffering that that's universal there's no cultural difference there Mm-hmm. And when we can find those common bonds, the world works better. I, mm-hmm. I sometimes have always said that uh, this is going getting far out there now, that the world would maybe be a better place if we were somehow attacked by an alien species that was not that powerful where they'd destroy us, but where we'd all have to come together to fight it off. 
Mm. <laughs> you know, and and uh, realize there's a bigger universe out there. Yeah, but but is, is, isn't that the case, though, I think, with everything? I mean, we keep talking about climate change, and, and while we still believe, while we still don't have an emergency, um, we're not going to do anything. I think there's lots of research that actually shows that people are spurred uh, by some external force that threatens their uh, overall existence. I mean, we talk about COVID. Um, in many ways, while we may not have lost so many people, the paradox of it is COVID actually brought us, uh, made us smarter, I think. It brought us together more as human beings. Um, and it kind of made, made us realize some things that we were taking for granted. They were talking about community, for example. People go like, oh, yeah, we fell apart. But I think we actually realized we took for granted community. And as a result, me and you having this conversation would probably have not happened if it wasn't for COVID. Yeah, you never know. And it, and it did bring some families closer together. Yes. You spend a lot more time. And, and, and I liked, you know, I'm, I did not have a bad time during COVID. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say that straightforward. For, yeah. Fortunately, you know, uh, no one in my family was affected. Yes. Uh, we, we, you know, social distance, we took care. I have parents who are in their 80s. So, you know, yes. I was very careful yes. not to, yes. you know, to take all the precautions. Yes. But uh, you missed a lot more of that social interaction that you used to take for granted. Yes. So now when you hang out with other people, it's a lot more, you feel a lot closer. It's like, this is great, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's interesting. I did um, about a month and a half ago, I had my first in-person facilitation i was in front of a group of executives in brazil actually yes, yes and yes. i was talking and uh, you know about leadership and these things that we usually talk about yeah. and within the first five minutes i just paused for a second and i looked at the participants and i looked at them and i said you know what guys this is awesome yes. i forgot how good it feels to be standing here in front of real people Yes, <laughs> and it was, yeah. uh, and they all smiled and laughed too because they they felt the same thing. It's like it, it brought us to that point of appreciation. Now, the, on the sad part, you know, well, I did feel that the world came a little closer together. You saw a lot more of, you know, international cooperation among countries to fight this. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised when uh, the Ukraine war broke out. Yes. It was like, come on, we're just coming out of a positive time, and now this. Yeah. And I know that that's not the only war that's going on in the world. That's not, yeah. those aren't the only people that are suffering. That's happening in sure. many different places. Yes. But it's, uh, it brings into perspective, you know, this new hope, you know, that alien invasion that I just mentioned. Yeah. That could have been COVID. Yeah. But we've neglected that one opportunity. Hopefully we'll get more. Hopefully we'll get more. Let's wrap it up, man. Um, you know, there's, there's never enough time with these conversations. We could sit here and, and, and explore this, uh, this topic. But um, I'll be in trouble if I don't ask you this, uh, uh, because Tyler will, uh, will kill me uh, that I didn't ask. Do you have a working definition of hope? Yeah. Hope is... Uh holding on to that spark within you, that spark that makes your eyes shine, that makes you ability to smile, even through the worst of situations. Ah, nice, nice. I like that. And then another one that came to me while you were talking about the facilitation stuff. Uh, so I didn't even have this. Um, 
you mentioned that the world needs to smile more. You work, you work a lot with leaders. Um, what do you think they need? Well, it's interesting because when usually, you know, in my field, it's coaching executives to get better results. Yes. And they're already driven for results. I mean, that that's part is in greater than the culture. And I think one of the things that distinguishes the work I do is I try to really focus on they're enjoying their life. Yes. Because what's the point? Yes. And people need to really find enjoyment in what they do. Yes. So when they come home to their family, to their children, they are the best version of themselves. Yes. And just, just a quick, uh, you know, I'm not sure if you've ever coached someone to quit their job. But I have. Yeah. And uh, I've had the parent, the, you know, the, the, the leader that tells me, I can't, you know, I hate my job. I hate my boss. I go to work every day with a tummy ache, but I can't quit because I have a mortgage and I have my kids in school and I've got, you know, what kind of parent am I if I just give it all up? And I usually <laughs> ask them, well, what kind of parent are you if you're coming home with this baggage every day? Yes, yes, yes. So, so that, that's, you know, that's what they need is to find that integration of both factors yeah. that takes them to a better place in both places. Yeah, it always strikes me as quite weird that uh, we, we keep thinking about it that way. But I also am empathetic because uh, I remember how I used to think like that. Like, okay, there's like really work-life balance, you know, uh, I have to go to work. But, uh, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, yeah, I don't you. believe in balance. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle quite a lot, man, with the, with that way. Carlos Pellet has over 20 years of experience helping successful people to achieve positive results without forgetting the importance of enjoying their lives. And he is the CEO of X Factor. I like that name, by the way, internationally recognized as an expert in leadership metrics, technology, a pioneer in VR coaching. I mean, this guy loves loves his technology. Um, I, I thought I thought I love technology, but I'm like I'm not, I haven't even started. <laughs> one of the you know one of our sessions we're gonna have to meet in VR one day and I'm gonna show you some wonderful things in virtual reality. I'm 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 already having a headache. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me, you're gonna love it, especially you know we yeah, can play pong in virtual reality while we chat. I have, to tell, I have to read this. You have received numerous honors and awards from institutions in Europe and Latin America, including the HR Prize for Contribution to the Field and 2019 Distinguished Alumni Award from Purdue University. He is not just anybody. He is a hope maker. Man, thank you so much for your time and for your contribution um, to the world and particularly your contribution to this conversation. Dr. Mangesi, it is a privilege and an honor to be here, and it was wonderful seeing you again. My pleasure. We always lose the show with a song. What song can I play for you? Don't worry, be happy. Ah, yes, I love it. I can carry a, to- a tune a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've seen you sing. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, thank you so much, man. Uh, hopefully, we, we talk again, and hopefully, I come to Peru one of these days. I don't, I don't, I, I, it has never really been on my uh, bucket list until I met you, actually. So, you are actually a good brand ambassador for the country. <laughs> well, thank you, and you're more than welcome here. 
Ah, cool. That was the Hope Maker Show. And uh, that was my conversation there with Carlos. I wish you a lovely one. And um, remember, uh, every day, uh, for me, I always say hope is the seed of data in our heads that tell us it will be all right if we nurture it. Just breathe. See you next week. The home of inspiration every every day. Most people give up on themselves easily. You know the human spirit is powerful. From news. Countries across the globe have been hit by the COVID-19 virus. Views. There's a global trend uh, to see an increase in GBV incidences, specifically domestic violence, violence, violence. Sports. What's he say? It's a really good ball. It's Shabalala. And music to inspire you every day. This is Vuga Online, your inspiration radio station. Stay woke with Vuga Online Radio. You are on Hope Maker Show, and uh, this is our last few minutes uh, with uh, Mike Mungo. And uh, we are talking about hope, we are talking about faith. Uh, I liked uh, your, um, your construction of faith because many people work with faith as if you have to go to church. Uh, but I like that simple line, everything always works out. Because it's a great anchor to just get out of the noise in your head and all the scenarios you're building and just be here uh, with that truth. That's powerful. What we haven't done, which is fascinating, we haven't spoken about your classes. (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) So, uh, you know, as I pointed out, I have uh, these conversations with, uh, with students, but I also get to have the conversation with grownups. Yes. Uh, and uh, I, I, uh, I, so getting, getting people's attention, I don't, have, I don't have time with them for a long time. And yes. it's important. I mean, these days, grownups, students immediately, this is so funny because I walk into a classroom and we had this entire conversation and here we are now and, we, and, and you bring up the glasses. Yes. This, this, this parallels my experience 100%. <laughs> If I walk into a classroom with students, it's the yes. very first thing they say. Yes. Grown-ups. Yes. I have worked with Mangazi. I've worked with people for three days. Yes. For days. And then they, <laughs> they, they will saddle up next to me and they're like, like now we're friends. So they're yes. like, can I ask you a question? Yes. <laughs> like, like they're going to ask my birth sign. They're going to ask, they're going to ask my mom's name. No, they're going to ask, they're going to ask why my glasses like this. And, and, it, yes. and it is so that, so that I have people's attention. And because it's important to get people's attention when we have something worth hearing, we're sharing. Something yes. to hear, something that's worth sharing. Yes. And that is, that's the whole point, is that yes. I get people's attention because I, because I have something that is important and worth sharing. And yes. that is tomorrow's jobs are in space. Yes, yes. I love that. I love that principle. Getting people's attention is easy. And what's important is having something to say that's worth hearing. And this is also connected because, um, the, the, and you can't do that if you keep uh, sharing all of these negative stories about yourself, uh, first of all, to yourself um, and, and, and all of them. Complete the sentence. What the world needs now is dot, 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 dot. It would be, it's going to be, it's going to be perspective. And that, and that's in reference to what I said earlier that we, when I said earlier that 
human beings have evolved and we live alongside homo sapiens. I'm not being metaphoric. It is my conjecture that that is actually the case. And what we're witnessing, the conflict that we see in the world is, is that is uh, all of us living alongside homo sapien. Homo sapien decided not to evolve. And we, on the other hand, are imagining a place that where everything works out for everyone all the time without harm to anyone. Yes. And, yeah. and when I pose that query, like imagine what it looks mm-hmm. like for everything to work out all the time without harm to anyone yes. to grow to people will jump out of their seats and respond violently. That's impossible. And then I respond yes. that we are grownups and we are able to entertain two ideas in our head at the same time. So let's take the idea that we've been taught and trained that we've led ourselves to believe that everything working out all the time for everyone without harm to anyone is impossible. And let's put it on a cognitive shelf in our head, in our mind. We're going to put it right there. We're not in argument with that idea. All we're doing is entertaining. What would it look like for a play, a world where everything works out for everyone all the time without harm to anyone? Because when we entertain that idea, it opens up the possibility. It opens up. We became, we be, we entertain vision we entertain even delight we entertain wonder we entertain possibility these are these are these are what we want in the world do we want as as you mentioned do we want a a world of dire consequences of 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 dismal qualities of of uh of the news or reports it's the end of the world and there's nothing that we can do about it well once i once i Okay, so it's the end of the world. There's nothing I can do about it. Great. Now I'm free to go on and live my own life. Who am I? What am I doing here? How can I help? Oh. When, I, when, I, when I explain to students all the time this very simple truth, want to succeed, want a, want a formula to succeed 100% of the time, a no-fail formula to succeed 100% of the, all the time. Mangezi, here it is. Do what you love with who you love and help others. Yes. When we do what we love, with who we love and we help others, we cannot fail. It is impossible to fail. Impossible. Yeah. Do what yeah. we love with who we love and help others. Pop, that's, pop, pop. that's a powerful note to leave it on. And but uh, so here's a challenge then. What's the challenge you're going to give to the world? Oh, okay. All right. I'm here. I'm here for this. This is so yeah. good. I appreciate this opportunity. I challenge because we started this conversation with time. Let's finish it with time. I challenge everyone to re recontextualize our memories of what we've been through as, yes. as younger people, as children, as young adults, whatever, uh, go and visit those moments when we've experienced both the, the worst times and the best times, the traumas yes. and the celebrations. And when we find one that we are just punished by, yeah. Be there as the grown up we are right now and visit with that person, not as a, a static memory that's like a YouTube video that we replay over and over and relive that trauma and relive it. Be the person you need to support you in that role in the memory. Don't mm. think of time as static. Think of that memory as a place that you, as the grown up that we are, can visit and support them. When I was a child, I needed someone like me. And now I go and I visit, I have gone through all my memories and I process them this way. There was a time when I was attacked as a seven-year-old and I, as a grown-up, go there and I make space in that memory for that seven-year-old. I clear out those, anybody doing harm. 
and I don't do it with force. I do it with an idea. Yeah. And then I dare, and then I support that seven-year-old that I was and let them know how much love I have for them. Yeah. Then there was another time when I was in, in high school at, at ninth grade, I was 14 years old. I know nothing. And a grown-up posed a query to us. They said, here's your choice. You have one choice. All of your classes are decided. You can choose typing, typewriting. This is 1981. You can choose, or 79. You can choose typewriting, which is the most important school that you, lesson that you'll probably learn in your entire high school career. It'll almost certainly guarantee that you have a job afterwards. And you will definitely be able to get a, uh, uh, yeah, you'll get, be able to get a job having typing, or you can take computers, choose. They posed it like that. You can take typing, which is the most important class you'll take this entire, or you can take computers. Out of 200 students, four of us chose computers in 1979. Wow. One of them was me. And one of them was in that same class was William Bear, uh, uh, William Bear, the, the uh, yeah, what William, his last name is Bear, the billionaire. In yeah. that class, the uh, four of us yeah. chose computers out of 200 students because they posed it to us that way. I want you to know, Mungazi, I go back to that memory of that 14 year old who knows nothing. Yes. And I and I am every version of myself is right there celebrating him computers computers choose computers choose computers (laughs) choose computers i'm supporting him in making that excellent decision he made that paved the way for my success in here in the future yeah i I mean so help me goodness my challenge to everyone is go through your memories stop replaying them like you youtube videos drop into them like they're video games only in real life, be present to that person. If you are somebody in need, if you have a memory where you're, you need somebody, be that person you need. If you have a memory that developed and made you who you are today and you're, you are proud of them, be, that, be there for them and celebrate them. My challenge to you is, is to live with our memories in a way that is dynamic rather than static. Yeah. Pow, pow, pow. Wow. How's that? All right. You got me there. You got me there. And I'm hoping he got you uh, because that's a challenge. That's a real challenge. It's not a play. Um, Thank you, man. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much for all this energy and all the lessons. Before we wrap up, we always close the show with a song. What song can I play for you? Oh, I I love the song. No woman, no cry. It's, it's in my head all the time. I I don't, I, uh, I mean, if that's if that's okay, I, that's it's okay. A, we we get to we get to celebrate people who are women. Yeah, it's an important yeah. truth. Yes, no woman, no cry. That's thank what, you. That's thank what you. we will be playing. This was my conversation with Mike Mungo, an astronaut teacher, author of children books, vice president of hey, let's call him vice president of space, man. There's just <laughs> yes. I'm going to space, Mungesi. I'm going to space. Yes. I'm mean, like, <laughs> wow, I'm 57. Oh, and, uh, I, I like that most of the time when I spend time teaching in schools and connecting with students in classrooms around the world to make sure that every student understands uh, tomorrow's jobs are in space and they now have permission to yes. live work, and play in space. And you have too, my dear listener, if you really want to. Um, 
That's yet another challenge. Mike, thank you so much, man. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your energy. Thank you for all that Same. you've shared. And uh, to you, the listener, um, I leave you with uh, my regular um, message until we meet again. The seed, the hope is the seed of data in our heads that tells us it will be all right if we nurture it. Just breathe. See you next week. And we're out. Hey, man, thank you so much. This was amazing. It was. It was and a joy. Thank you. I, I, I promise you, I've never done this with anyone. Um, I, while we're talking, I received a message from on my phone because um, uh, I was teaching at our, yesterday I was teaching at our uh, Center for, for Research, um, uh, uh, Industrial Research, um, which is linked to, it's a government agency, um, comes up with all of the interesting uh, research in the country. Um, so I was teaching there yesterday and uh, I've just received the message that they want to see me again next week. That's how excited they were. Um, but what was happening in my mind while you and I were talking was, oh, wow, all the stuff that I was teaching them like yesterday and the day before yesterday are all contained in this one video. So this is actually an instruction for them going forward. I don't have to say anything. I just say, I just send them this. I go like, go and watch this for an hour and then come back. Uh, let's talk about where you're going next uh, because I don't need to be teaching this thing. So thank you for this gift. All blessings. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Do, um, do we have a, do, does Joey have your, 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 your picture, your, your, um, your high res- resolution picture? I don't know. I, I can email it. I'll, I'll ask her to get, yeah, I'll ask her to get in touch with you to collect that. And then she will let you know when this is going to be on air because we were not live and you can share it with your students as well. Thank you. I look yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Okay. Keep up the good work. Have this, a is a, this, this is important. This is a, this is a, it's, a, it's, it's not an alternative. Yeah. It's not, it, this is the direction. It, 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 not working out is the alternative. Yes. That's and that's what's being presented as the as the choice. Yes, if it's a choice. Yeah. Yes. Not yeah. an option. No. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. not an option. <laughs> Thank you, man. Have a lovely Thank you. day. All right. Bye. Blessings. Bye. Bye. Bye.